0: Not always, but I sometimes joke with the patient that, you know, it's 90% of them listening and doing their homework (laughs) and only 10% the manual side.
1: Welcome to Setback Stories. I'm Chelsea, your host, here today to bring you on an adventure full of lessons and stories about me, my guests, and the times we've had to move backwards before moving forwards. So whether you're exercising, commuting to work, or have some free time, we hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Setback Stories. I'm super excited for today's episode. And I know I say that every episode, but I'm especially excited for today because I'm actually going to be hosting our very first healthcare professional. And she actually turns out to be my first physiotherapist back in 2014 when I used to play volleyball and kept on spraining my thumb. But you know what? My thumb is all good to go. Thanks to her. Her name is Dr. Charlotte Anderson. Hi, Charlotte.
0: Hi Chelsea, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for coming onto the pod. I was really nervous approaching you because I know that you are so busy. So I want to thank you for carving out some time during your schedule to just come chill with me.
0: Oh well, I, I appreciate being uh, being asked, and it's uh, it's you know it's nice to connect with you again, Chelsea, because I haven't I haven't seen you for a while since you were a patient of mine. Um, but it's always fun to you know I love I love chatting anything rehab or professional or physiotherapy based. So thank you for having me. Yeah, of course.
1: And I'm so glad that um that we reconnected over the summer because of our high school's alumni network. Um it was so amazing to kind of see how you've evolved your career and have taken your MPT to so many avenues since working with you in 2014. And yeah, so I'm just very excited for today's episode and I know I introduced you as a physiotherapist, but I'm also very aware that you play many other big hats. So would you like to introduce yourself a little bit
0: more? Sure, I'd love to. I'm not very, I'm not always not very good at this, but I'll try to to do this in a chronological and sequential way. So um, my name is Charlotte Anderson, and uh, I I am currently a physiotherapist working in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, If we backtrack a little bit in terms of you know, how, how I got to be a, a practicing physiotherapist in Toronto. Um, after graduating from high school, the same high school as Chelsea, um, I was uh, fortunate to start the a program at the University of Western Ontario in kinesiology. So upon graduating from that program, I knew I wanted to go into healthcare. I knew I wanted to work with people. I didn't know how I wanted to do it exactly. So I was fortunate to take a year off where I traveled and I volunteered and I asked questions and I shadowed. And that led me to pursuing a master's in physical therapy. And a master's in physiotherapy is a professional program. Um, I believe, I think, don't quote me on this, but there's eight programs, university um, master's programs in in Canada. And I decided to go to uh, the University of Toronto. So I started that program, graduated in 2012. And then I was fortunate to get a job at a, um, actually in the public system in Toronto to begin. And I worked there for a year. And then I decided I wanted to go out on my own. And I decided I wanted to pursue private practice. And I opened up my first clinic in the fall of 2013. Um, So I was a registered physiotherapist at this point. I had worked for a year. Um, but I decided through um, you know the the learnings in that in that year that private practice, private orthopedic practice is where I wanted uh, to pursue a career. So Alpha Health Services was, I guess I can use the word born in the uh, fall of 2013. and from there we've established, you know we have three clinics in in Toronto. Um, you know I'm very, very fortunate to have you know about twenty practitioners working with me. And we we are multidisciplinary now, but our focus is on orthopedic rehab. Mm-hmm. So I am proud to work in that group. I'm proud to work at Alpha Health Services. I'm proud to be a physiotherapist. And then I also, in 2015, went back to uh, complete my PhD in the Faculty mm-hmm. of Medicine at the University of Toronto. And so I I finished my PhD in 2019. And the focus of my PhD and, and research and subsequent research has um, been in the musculoskeletal realm and orthopedics um, with a real focus in concussion and concussion management. So I do practice um, orthopedically still, but my research is, is very much grounded in, in concussion. So after finishing my PhD at U of T in, in 2019, and that was a, a real slog to get through that while working full time. Mm-hmm. I uh, just actually completed a year uh, postdoctoral fellowship at McMaster University and I was fortunate enough to get that position for this past year and I've just finished that and now moving on to some other research um, with other universities in, in Canada. So as you alluded to at the beginning, Chelsea, I, I guess I, I guess I wear many hats. I'm a practitioner, <laughs> I'm a clinic owner, um, I'm a lecturer and teacher at the university level, and I'm a researcher, all all under, I'll call it the physiotherapy rehab science umbrella. And that is where I, I sit today. And, and I, I do live and I am based out of Toronto, but I've done a lot of work up in uh, the Yukon, uh, specifically Whitehorse. Uh, this year with the global pandemic, that has changed my ability to go up there. So I've done a lot more virtually, but I feel mm-hmm. very, very, very fortunate to be able to um, you know, spread Spread the spread, re, spread the rehabilitation um, science and and protocols up to you know the northern stretches of our country. So that's where that's who I am. That's where I'm at now in my point in my career, and uh, feel very very fortunate to be here. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for that
1: introduction. My mouth is like hanging open just because I'm just so amazed and proud of like how much you've evolved your career. And I did not know that Alpha Health Services had three clinics.
0: I just thought it was just yeah. the one. No, we have yeah, we've expanded um and it's been yeah, it's been great. It's been challenging and it's been challenging in this year, but um yeah, physical space is is something that, you know, rehab we do we do need it and so it, it's been able to stay strong through through the pandemic as well.
1: For sure. Yeah, well, congratulations. I heard about the new expansion. Thank you.
0: Yes, construction's <laughs> been crazy, but we're doing it. We're doing sure, it.
1: You're doing it. we are doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And did you start – I'm aware that you started lecturing, I believe, at U of T and McMaster, correct me if I'm wrong, um, after yes. you got your PhD, right?
0: Correct, correct. Okay, I, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I do the work – yeah, U of T and McMaster are the, big, are the two schools that I, I hold lecturing positions at, um, and then I try to do a little bit more in kinesiology departments at um, right. other universities. Yeah,
1: Okay, perfect. That just reinforces the reason why I picked you for today's topic, which is about the importance of client cooperation in physiotherapy and why it's important to motivate patients and how to do that. Clearly, because you have been practicing for around seven years now, but also yeah. you have been pretty much teaching the next wave of physios. And I think with that education, you're also, my assumption is that you're probably also teaching them how to motivate your physio students and how to motivate their patients, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just hop right into the topic and this conversation is going to be very centered around physiotherapy, of course, but I'm aware that not everyone has tried this ser- this healthcare service before. So for those who've never gone to physio and might not understand what physical therapy is, how would you ex- explain it in your own words?
0: Yeah. And that's a good question, Chelsea. And I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible. (laughs) So physical therapy, physio, um, it is a professional health discipline, and it is Mm -hmm. directed towards the prevention or alleviation of movement dysfunction, and also towards the enhancement of of physical capacity, whatever that may mean for the individual. Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal of physio is to assist the patient to achieve the highest possible level of of independent function, so exercise, therapeutic modalities, consultive strategies, um, education, manual therapy—all—all all of those tools in the toolkit, if you will, are used to maximize function. Um, recently, the term movement specialist has been thrown around as a as a synonym for physiotherapy, and in addition. To the the rehab side of physical therapy or physio, uh, physios educate their patients and the community about the prevention of disability and the promotion of health. And I've mm-hmm. I've really tried to make sure that when I teach students is that we don't often physio is driven from a rehab perspective, but mm-hmm. not to forget that um, preventative piece of physio and and that preventative medicine piece that right. is that is critical to our healthcare system.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that because I feel like people assume that you you see a physio once you start noticing a problem with your body but you can also see a physio just to be proactive and prevent those um those injuries you're talking about that come with age.
0: Yes, and and honestly honestly Chelsea, I I love it when I have patients come in for, for preventative measures because it means mm-hmm. we have a baseline. It means we can you know, let's just let's just stop something bad from occurring if we can, you know, um, yeah. but it's that education piece to, um, to so people know that 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 is something that physios do. So, you know, the word function, movement specialist, um, enhancement of physical ca- capacity, those are all you know, kind of words that circle the profession of physiotherapy. To me, it sounds like
1: you're trying to equip your patients with tools for them to be empowered and take an active role in their own health and healing, which I love. To- totally, 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 totally. And that brings me to my next question. Um, so I preface this episode as the importance of client cooperation, but I think the more specific term is, uh, instead of co- client cooperation, therapeutic alliance. So I was just wondering if you could define what therapeutic alliance is and what its role is in physiotherapy.
0: Yes, and I'm, I'm glad you um, brought the term therapeutic alliance up Chelsea. Um, therapeutic alliance refers to the relationship between any healthcare professional, whether it be right. a physio, an occupational therapist, a sports medicine doctor, whoever, and the patient. Um, basically, it is the means by which a therapist, healthcare professional, whoever, and the patient hope to engage with each other Um, and and have a beneficial effect and change for the client, okay? Mm -hmm. Therapeutic alliance is critical, critical, critical um, in the role of of physical therapy, and it's critical to establish for any physiotherapist with their patient, okay? Mm -hmm. Why why is that the case? Well, physio, rehab, it's a process, okay? And it it requires the commitment from the patient. It requires a commitment from the physio as well. But it's not a one-stop shop of, you know, Hey, here's a pill or here's an ointment to use or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an individualized I hate using the word journey sometimes because it trivializes it, but it's an individual pathway that mm-hmm. the physio has to know the patient, the patient has to trust the physio, and we have to work together to get back to what they they need, want, and love to do from a functional physical um, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So that therapeutic alliance speaks to the relationship and how that process is going to go from, you know, kind of the date of first assessment to the date of discharge, because mm-hmm. it is a process, it is a commitment, it, it requires the physio and the patient to, to be involved in that process. And that therapeutic reliance, alliance relationship, and that relationship with the other healthcare practitioners that may be involved in, in one person's you know, rehab, it might not just be the physio is, mm. is critical. Um, and it is a, you can use the word soft skill, I guess, but it is a skill that we develop and educate our, our physio students, mm. not just the manual piece. I mean, yes, the anatomy, the pathophysiology, um, you know, the manual skills, the handling, that's all critical, critical, but the development of that therapeutic alliance, the fostering of that and the real, um, grounding that in, in some substance is critical. And in my, you know, seven years, eight years of practice, I've really, I've really seen the benefit of, of establishing that in, in the patients, in the patient's care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love, I love how you mentioned
1: that Therapeutic Alliance is um, not only exclusive for physiotherapy, but also for other services like psychotherapy and even dentistry, because mm-hmm. um, I guess you plain, A clearer picture, like dentists can only fill so many cavities, but then at the end of the day, it's up to the patient to, you know, obviously brush every day and floss every day. And I think that's very similar to physio in the sense that you can't expect, um, an optimal treatment course if you don't commit to your own exercises and cooperate with your physio and. I never, I never really noticed like how important it was to establish a ther- this therapeutic alliance and cooperate with my physios um, until I tore my ACL and had to go through 18 months of post op active rehabilitation. It's a lot of work, but I'm really glad that you mentioned that you're training the next wave of physios to kind of take a more holistic approach and establish that relationship with your patients to overall optimize their treatment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's a it's a combination of the manual skills, the, you know, the anatomical, um, you know, dynamics, the pathophysiology, the physiology, Mm -hmm. but also that, you know, be a real person. And and how do we connect with someone, whether it's a young athlete wanting to, you know, pursue a career in sport or the single mom who has to get back to work or the elderly patient that's worried about falling, right? It can't be a one stop shop. It's got to be individualized for that for that patient. And, and you know what, it's easier said than done. It does require practice and strategies. Mm-hmm. And I know we're getting into that later. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, I think often people um, underestimate, you know, the skill that is developing that relationship and it does take time. It does take effort. It does take reflection on the role of the physio on the role of the physio um, in their dynamic and that relationship that they establish with their patient.
1: Right. It sounds like it's about treating the person first and not necessarily the patient. Bingo. Do you want to go into
0: physio, Chelsea? You got it. You got it. (laughs) I'd love
1: to. That's the goal. That's the dream. You got it. (laughs) And that kind of leads me to the next question. I know you were talking about what physio entails, um, but from my experience with physio, treatment is often often looks like a mixture of hands-on manual therapy work done by the physio themselves, plus exercises prescribed and completed at home by the client. So in my head, I see physio as PT equals manual therapy by the physio plus exercises completed by the client. Am I missing anything else in the equation? And if I'm not, could you, could you kind of quantify the ratio between manual therapy and exercise prescription?
0: Yeah. And I, I, I don't think you're wrong, Chelsea. Um, it's, it's, uh, the other, the other part of the equation that I would add in there is education and educating right. the patient about, you know, what is going on, what needs to happen and what, what are kind of the goals along the way. So, um, in terms of dividing, you know, dividing that ratio into a percentage it really, really, really depends on the patient, depends on the injury, and just depends on the, on the stage of healing that they're at. Right, right. Um, I mean, I always, not always, but I sometimes joke with the patient that, you know, it's 90% of them listening and doing their homework, <laughs> and only 10% the manual side. And what I'm trying yeah. to say by that is that, you know, it's all well and good when you come into the clinic and I get my hands on you and we do the manual work but if you're not mm-hmm. doing the homework to hold that at home and make those changes in the body mm-hmm. in the tissue in the muscle in the alignment if we're not doing that then it's a bit of a okay we've well, come in but we're not holding that you know throughout the day it's like learning a lo- new right. language if you only speak that language in your 1 hour class a week and you don't use it in your everyday life it's going to take a lot longer for yeah. that for that language to be solidified in your brain so it's hard to You know, give a straight ratio of like, oh, if you've torn your ACL, it's fifty percent manual and ten percent this and ten percent that. Um, uh, I'm going to answer that by saying it's it depends on the injury, the person, Mm -hmm. the stage of healing, and that therapeutic alliance about what what kind of works for the physio and the patient, and what what are the what are the steps we need to take to get you to that end goal. Right, Mm -hmm. you've got to do grade one, two, three, four, five math before you can do grade six math. You can't jump from grade one to grade six math. It's similar, right? We've got to take it one step at a time. And us skipping, you know, steps along, you know, the the pathway to the end, Mm -hmm. you know, if you miss grade two and grade three math, you might kind of get grade four, but you're missing that fundamental, right? Right. So it's the same sort of, um, it's the same analogy that I use with rehab. So I can't completely answer that. um, But I'd say, you know, it's definitely, I would say every injury Um, requires a manual piece, a exercise homework piece and an ongoing education piece. So there is the there is that understanding and empowerment from um, for the patient.
1: Mm Oh, my goodness. I love those analogies. I'm definitely going to use them um, to my dad because (laughs) I've been like begging him to like try physiotherapy out. But then he always hear these Unsu- quote-unquote unsuccessful stories of his friends like trying physio and it not working for them but then I always question him like okay maybe physio is not working for them but is it because they're not committing to their homework are they not getting those educational pieces that you're talking about so I'm definitely gonna whip out those analogies to my dad
0: oh please do and you can give him my number I'm happy to chat oh we'll do just let yes, me know please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> please convince him thank you thank you yeah <laughs> Yeah, so you've been practicing for seven to eight years now, and I was just wondering, how often do you find your patients not adhering to their homework? I'm sure it must come out because there are definitely many reasons why people don't adhere to their homework, especially since there can be
0: barriers in the system. Yes, absolutely, and it, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because um, I always try to reframe it that you know it's not that the that the patient is not adhering to their homework, it's that we mm-hmm. haven't found the right plan that works from them for them, mm-hmm. right? right? So again, right. that brings us back to that therapeutic alliance and relationships. Um, but what I will say is the the there the the barrier there there are tons of barriers that exist, right? right? And and as I've continued to work with you know many different demographics in many different settings in Toronto, in Whitehorse, in northern parts mm-hmm. of Ontario, with students, with athletes, with older populations with, you know, with all that group, I would, I can kind of, I'll I'll list a few barriers. And and what I'll say is that these barriers are barriers that are important to acknowledge as a physio and are important to figure out how are you going to help that patient overcome those barriers? So Mm -hmm. rather than it being a, you know, black and white, you didn't do your homework. So what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Why were they not able to complete their homework? And how do you how do you figure out ways to make it happen, right? So barriers, I mean, often barriers are, is time, right? Whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's family life, whether it's other commitments, it's just, you know, you don't, you don't have the time to do, we'll call it your homework, but you don't have your time to do the follow-up from physio. Again, it's a bit of a, you've got to commit to this, you know, the same way you might put, you know, going to the gym or finishing that deliverable you have from work, you've got to put in your calendar, you got to do it. But again, mm-hmm. there's also that understanding of yeah, okay, your kid was sick, homesick from school for the last week. You know, life happens, right? Right. So right. a barrier tends to be time commitments, work, family. I'll put that all in one um, mm-hmm. lump. The other understanding, it's in a little bit. Chelsea speaking to your dad is that understanding of of why or the buy-in of mm-hmm. why is it important for me to do this exercise to strengthen my knee after an ACL surgery? Like, Mm -hmm. why does it matter? Why do I need to do that? And that goes back again to that relationship piece of, hey, let's sit down and let's talk about it. Let's go through. Why is it imperative that you do, you know, your 10 reps of squats in the perfect angle and function with the perfect weight to be able to get to our end goal and kind of walk the patient through it so that they understand. Yeah. Um, That's something that, again, with my with my newer grads and the students I work with, that's a skill to be able to educate your patient into kind of why do I care? You know, and I again, Mm -hmm. I attribute it to kind of learning at a high school level of, you know, when you're in a class that you don't doesn't really resonate with you. It's why do I have to learn the Pythagorean theory? I don't care about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it's about saying this is a this is the foundation for. Basic math or basic science, right? So mm-hmm. it's the understanding why. It's the buy-in. Um, the other one that often happens is is pain, right? So sometimes right. rehab, not always, but sometimes it can it can be painful. So mm-hmm. pain, science, and and education of pain is a whole other topic for a whole other podcast, but. Pain is subjective and pain is something that you've got to walk a patient through. Uh, What does pain mean? Does pain mean you're doing damage and harm or is Mm -hmm. pain kind of a necessary evil? I mean, Chelsea, you knew with ACL surgery, you know, sometimes (laughs) there's going to be some pain in breaking down that scar tissue, getting that range of motion back. So again, it goes back to that education of, of what does that mean and what do we do about it? So, you know kind of to sum up, because as usual, I'm talking too much. Um, okay. Not in terms of their homework, I would say is more of a, what are the barriers that are limiting that patient to be doing kind of what that homework is, whether it's exercises, whether it's lifestyle modification, whether it's modalities to use at home, whether it's, um, you know, mindfulness to calm down the central nervous system, mm-hmm. whether it's whatever it may be, what are those barriers, break it down, have the conversation, and what are you going to do to help your patient kind of fulfill um, those needs to get them back to to what what their end goal is, and to not lose sight of that end goal and those short term goals that are leading to the long term goal.
1: Yeah. So pretty much what I'm hearing is that you're trying to find you're trying to help your patients find their why bingo. Yeah, yeah. And I can relate to that regarding my ACL recovery journey, because I felt like I was so motivated. Well, I definitely got burnt out through those 18 months of post-op active rehabilitation. But I always tried to remind myself what my why was, which was to eventually get back to ultimate one day, which has always been my why from like day one. And that's, I I don't think I told you about this, but I actually kind of created like this blog using (laughs) Instagram. It's an Instagram Yeah, so I pretty much created an Instagram account um, to document my recovery. And every time I'm feeling down or kind of jaded or burnt out or feel like I'm losing my why, I just, just scroll along all my stories, uh, my highlight reels and my photos to remind myself of that why. So I love how you're navigating, um, you're working with your patients to navigate their why because I think it's so important.
0: Yeah and that little strategy you just told me about Instagram is something that, you know, maybe maybe for the more of the millennial folks that mm-hmm. can be used as a bit of a of a reminder and again, Chelsea, that's a great again, it goes back to that individualized approach cuz that's not going to work for everybody, but it worked for you right. and it grounded you at times when you are thinking, why am i doing this? Like where am i going with this? What's the, what what are, where what's the point, right? So you right. you nailed it right on that that why and having that that discussion with the patient because my why as Charlotte Anderson, if I had an injury might be very, very different than your why as my patient. And I have Mm -hmm. to be careful not to um, put my why onto the patient, but listen to what everyone's different, right? What is Mm -hmm. theirs and let's work. I don't have all the answers, Mm -hmm. but let's work together to figure it out because my job is to get you better. And at the end of the day, that's what I'm going to do. And I've got to figure out the best way to get you there. The most effective, efficient, evidence based way to get you there and and that's why I do what I do.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And you mentioned how um different strategies work for a different men- demographics such as Instagram, uh, an Instagram recovery account <laughs> being uh probably most applicable towards millennials or Gen Z. I was wondering, yeah. do you have any other strategies that you recommend to your clients who are not of the demographic of millennials or
0: Gen Z? Yeah. So again, it really depends on, on the person. Um, and there, there are tons of different strategies. I, I could probably speak for two hours about this, but you know, there's there, yeah, there's different, there's different ways of approaching it. And again, it has to be a conversation and a trial and error a little bit with the patient too, but depending on what those barriers are technology, whether it be an Instagram kind of, you know, following the progress of, um, injury, whether it's, you know, videos or blogs or other things that might keep them grounded. Um, mm-hmm. Other stuff that we use is, is all of my programs that I put together for patients are all online and they, they're sent to a patient kind of via, you know, video and a login mm-hmm. so that the patient can track, it it, require, it, it will track the, the, the exercises for the patient. So sometimes that works for people that they log in and they can go in and say, oh, this week I did this three times, I did this, whatever, whatever. So mm-hmm. that can often help. Um, email check-ins, whether it's with me, whether I say, you know what, you got to email me at the end of the week and tell me where we got, where Mm -hmm. we got to that puts, you know, responsibility, accountability on the patient, helping with schedules, helping with, okay, you got, you know, 10 minutes when you do this, there's no reason we can't squeeze this into that 10 minute break between, you know, school or whatever else. Right. Mm -hmm. So to understand what their day to what their day looks like. Again, it's really getting to the root cause of of what is that barrier and being creative in how you're going to address that Um, and and optimizing the strategies using different strategies. And you know what, going back to the drawing board, if we're like, you know what, try this for a week and let's check in, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then kind of moving from there. So, you know, over the years, I've definitely developed, um, more strategies, um, you know, a bit more of a toolbox of, of tools, if you will, to, to use depending on what the barrier may be. But honestly, it's about getting to the root cause, asking the questions, being a real person and understanding that, you know, this person has a life to live, not just rehab, right? How do we right. get rehab to, you know, you know, seamlessly integrate into their life um, to get to the end goal? And, Again, targeting that why for that patient and, and nailing that on the head every single time.
1: I love how you mentioned that um, rehab should be integrated into their daily life and not become their whole life. Because I feel like when I was rehabbing my ACL, I kind of made, I low key made rehab my whole life to the point where sometimes I like missed out on sleep. And in hindsight, mm. I wish I, I wish I had this conversation earlier to know that rehab doesn't have to be my own life because. I guess I was doing more harm than good because compromising sleep is usually a no-no to any kind yeah. of recovery. I just love how you remind all of us that um, life get, can get in the way and that's totally okay. Because um, sometimes I also like skipped my rehab for a week because of final season or midterm season. And sometimes I felt guilty for like not committing to my rehab. But um, I was grateful to work have worked with the physio at the time who reminded me that it's okay to not prioritize rehab sometimes. So thank you for that reminder again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not realistic for rehab to be your whole life. If mm-hmm. rehab to be successful, it actually has to be integrated into your life. And integrating into your life is also going to show where there are still gaps, right? If you're a, a marathon runner, and you know, you haven't been running, then we haven't got you back to real life yet, right? So there mm-hmm. has to be that, that combination. It's all well and good. If you're pain, th- pain free while you just, you know, sit at your desk all day, but that's not doing life. That's not doing right. the life that you want to be doing. So it's about that conversation and figuring out how, how that integration happens.
1: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I know we we're talking about patients who, who might face barriers, um, in regards to quote unquote, adhering to their physio homework. But when we're talking about patients who let's say are very, very committed, um, they're able to successfully integrate their exercises throughout their daily schedule. To my knowledge, I've heard that it takes four to six weeks for physiological change to occur within the body um, apart, upon starting prescribed exercises. And I know that like this four to six week waiting period can sometimes seem long. It seems long to me personally. And I was just wondering for the patients who do commit to their exercises, how do you encourage them to kind of just trust the process and stay patient before they start seeing results.
0: Yeah, that's a good question, Chelsea. And again, it's one that I will, you know, I'll back, I'll backtrack from day one. When I meet a patient, we discuss the plans. We discuss uh, what is their injury? What does rehab look like? What do they need to do? What is their commitment? What is my commitment? And how do we um, kind of continue to move forward in, in their overall goal while showing, and I call them baby steps, not to belittle the process, but you know, those steps that are ultimately leading to that final destination, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. So, typically for physiological change or muscle change to occur in the body, it, again, it depends on the person, their level of activity, their age, their injury, but I kind of I kind of use that eight week mark as a bit of the mm-hmm. you know the the mean, if you will. Um, but the other part that's really important is, okay, six to eight weeks, but that's not six to eight weeks of, of not doing anything right That's six mm-hmm. to eight weeks of full commitment yeah. to making the changes in your body. So yeah. it goes back to what we were talking about before that life can get in the way and you know you have finals, you have midterm, you have whatever else. but if you take a week or two hiatus, Okay, life happens. But mm-hmm. this isn't 8 weeks of sitting idle. This is 8 weeks of commitment, of dedication, of pushing right. yourself. So, right. I think like it is with any, you know, whether with any healthcare profession, with any anything that you commit to, it's about having that conversation of what to expect, what are the mm-hmm. goals, how do we judge progress, how do we gauge progress, right? We want to see that there's been changes. Often sometimes mm-hmm. small changes can go overlooked, but again, if I go back to the you know, learning math, if you don't learn the grade one, the grade two, the grade three, we're never getting to grade four. So we have to celebrate the fact that, you know, now you're whatever it is with your ACL. Now we've got full range of motion of the knee. Now you can walk upstairs. Now you, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think the most important about encouraging your patients. And and again, this is an interesting question because I guess it just, I just kind of do it naturally to some extent is being very clear on what the goals are, what the plan is, why is that the plan in terms of the education piece of what's happening at the cellular level, what's happening at the muscle level, what's happening at the functional level, Um, Mm -hmm. and being very clear and being very open with, you know, I always say, we'll take it one week at a time. I can't say that, you know, know, someone's going to take two weeks or four weeks or six weeks. It really depends on how your body responds, how you commit, what's happening in life. Are there any setbacks? And we take it one week at a time, with our end goal in sight, and understanding that it's not always a linear process. But mm. from start to finish, we're going to get there.
1: Right? Oh, my gosh, I love how you mentioned that recovery doesn't is not, I think, more times than not, like nonlinear. And I'm definitely experiencing that with my concussion recovery right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think definitely laying that groundwork and that stable foundation. Full of education um, during the first visit is so crucial and important because I know not not every um, healthcare practitioner does that.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's and an I when I hire new physios or new grads, we spend a lot of time on on this piece so that mm-hmm. they have the confidence, the understanding um, to be able to deliver it. Because i i ac- I actually think that's makes the difference between a good physio and a really great physio. Right,
1: right. I think so too. Oh, I'm so happy with this, com- this, this conversation. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I was just wondering if you had any general advice for either patients who are struggling to stay motivated or physiotherapists themselves, whether they're PT residents or PT students who want to seek resources to become better at motivating their patients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for patients who are struggling to stay mon- motivated, I think I would I would have three main points Um, and two of them somewhat contradict each other, but not actually. So the first point is, is be honest, be honest with yourself as your patient, be honest with your goals, be honest with, you know, if you've, if you've never run before and you had an ACL surgery, don't expect that running is your first goal when you've never done it before. Right. So to be realistic, be honest, be honest with yourself and be honest with your team. And what I mean by your team is, is rarely is physio. Well, be honest with your physio, but, the whole group of people that are working with you to rehab you and your family, be honest, Mm -hmm. um, and set those goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. The next one is for patients is, and these are where I'm somewhat contradicting myself, but go easy on yourself. Rehab is a process. Rehab can be challenging. There are days where you're going to feel that you are just running up against a brick wall and you can't make any movement, right? Mm -hmm. Go easy on yourself, breathe, trust the process, trust your physio. This goes back to being honest and and Mm -hmm. share that with your physio if that's the case, but don't be too hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. That then Mm -hmm. goes to my third point is be hard on yourself. (laughs) And (laughs) what I mean by that is you've got to treat rehab as a goal that you're trying to attain, right? right? The same way that you approach an assignment at school or a deliverable at work, this is not a passive process. No one can do it for you. But you need to know what you need and how you respond best to feedback and you gotta be hard on yourself to keep pushing forward. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I realize I'm kind of contradicting myself, but there's a, a there's yeah, that yeah. fine line between cutting yourself a bit a bit of slack and, mm-hmm. and trusting the process and trusting the healing process and pushing yourself the same way you would push yourself to attain another goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense to me, yeah. yeah. And for physios who are struggling to motivate their patients, whether you're a newer grad, whether you're facing um, a new condition or a challenging case, or you're just kind of at a point in your career where you're feeling a bit, you know, how do I keep doing this? Again, I have, I don't know, I guess I can break it into three parts is be real, be a real person with your patient. Try Mm -hmm. to put yourself in their shoes as best as you can. Do not make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay to say, you know what? I know this process is really challenging. I get that and we're going to work through it. Mm -hmm. So being real, again, whether you're a physio, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're a friend, I mean, I do think that's something that we all can ground ourselves in as well. Um, The next thing is asking questions. Um, Ask your patient questions, probe a little bit deeper. If they're comfortable with it, involve you know, a family member or a parent or whoever out who might be part of the process as well. Um, ask the questions that will help you get to the answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that then leads me to being creative as a physio. Yes. We're grounded in science. Yes. We're grounded in protocol. Yes. We're grounded in gold standards and evidence-based treatments, but be creative. It's part of our job to figure it out. So figure it out. If you have to ask more questions, if you have to look for different movement, if you have to see if it's okay to you know, chat with a coach or a caregiver or whatever, figure it out because it might not, again, it's not linear for us either. And, and challenge yourself to figure out what does your patient need? Ask the questions, be real and be creative because there's not, there's not really a a one-stop shop or a do this, do this, do this. You got to deviate sometimes to get to that end goal. And that is your job as a physio is to figure it out.
1: Oh my gosh, wow, I love that. I I think you just touched upon like the importance of and the role of where sympathy and empathy takes place in physio like with patients. I like you said I think we sometimes can be too hard on ourselves and I think that's where we can try to sympathize with ourselves a little bit more. And then when you're talking about how physios are communicating with their patients, you got to try to step into their shoes and really try to empathize to the best of your ability to see where your clients are struggling either physically or emotionally. So thank you for that recap. Yeah.
0: No, and, and it, you're right, Chelsea, and it's hard. Patients and, and physios, and that again goes back to our conversation at the beginning of this podcast, that therapeutic reliance. It is a relationship. It's a professional relationship, but it is a relationship and both sides has to be have to be um, clear, transparent, and honest with each other, so that the best plan of action um, can be found. And at the end of the day, as a physio, my job is to get you better. And I'm going right. to figure out whatever the heck it is that I need to do, working with you to get me be better. Um, because if I don't do that, that's, I'm not doing my job properly, right? Mm-hmm. And there are days when I come home and I'm thinking, what have I missed? Or you yeah. know, it's, it's hard. Like it's you know, I've worked, I've worked for long enough to know that mm-hmm. it's not a cookie cutter solution. Um, but it is it is worth it, and it's that it's the challenging piece of of my career.
1: Mm, I love how um you mentioned that you 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 think about your patients even beyond um after you stepped out of the clinic, and that just leads me to another question of like I know you're will you willingly take home work after leaving the clinic because you're thinking about solutions on how to get your patients better, but does it ever come to a point where you've like hit a wall? And experience compassion fatigue or burnout with just trying so many things and
0: not f- having found the
1: right solution yet. I don't know if that made sense.
0: Yeah, no, no, it totally makes sense. And it's, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest and transparent that I never physio, especially private practice physio is it's never a, you know, you, you leave work at five and you shut your brain off from physio. Right. Right. Um, it's something that I've had to figure out how to manage because Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of sleepless nights thinking about patients or thinking about, "Mm, should I try that? Or, Oh, should Mm -hmm. I do that? Or what if I did that? Um, Part of it is what I love about, about this career and and this job is, is being able to work with people and being able to be creative and being kind of consumed by the challenge of how to get them better. Mm -hmm. Um, But back to, you know, when I was speaking about patients cutting themselves a little bit of slack, sometimes, you know, your physios are human too. Um, and I, I thrive off that continuing the challenge and, you know, I, I get very complex patients. Now I'm at a point in my career where, you know, I get that complex multimorbidity, um, you know, a lot of patients with concussion there's, there's a lot of complexity to that. So I would say that the, I wouldn't call it compassion fatigue. Um, to say that the the complexity fuels me makes me sound that I'm like a, kind of a little bit crazy, but what <laughs> I say is, you know, I I love being part of of the rehab journey f- for patients, and I don't I don't call it compassion fatigue. I, I call it my job, and I call it um, you know that continuing that continuing to learn and to push yourself, and that knowledge piece. That you know, there's there's never a dull moment in physio. There's always more to learn. And I'm grateful to be in a profession where I feel that I'm constantly challenged. Um, it can be a lot. And uh, again, if you speak to my, my partner or my family or my friends, sometimes they're like, uh, Charlotte, can we just like, not talk about physio work? You come home from work. Um, yeah. but I, You know what? I love it. I love it so much. And I know that I've benefited from incredible healthcare practitioners in the past um, for injuries and issues that I've had that, I am so incredibly grateful for their creativity and them going that extra mile to help me get to that end goal that I uh, would do nothing less for my patients.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I can definitely say with 100% confidence that your patients are so lucky to have you. You're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I kind of want to book an appointment with you for (laughs) a right now. Oh, my gosh, I trust you so much. And I've learned so, so much today. So before we wrap up, do you have any final words that you'd like to say or any shout outs you'd like to mention?
0: Well, I mean, Chelsea, I could talk forever about this, but I think (laughs) I'll I'll wrap it up by, you know, saying the the truth about rehab, the truth about physio is that it is hard. It's hard. It's hard for anyone who cares about you. And as a patient, you need to make actual changes. And these changes may involve modifying your activities or taking steps to improve your general health. And this process can be uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. you will learn a lot. You will make mistakes and it's totally normal, but you got to mm-hmm. learn from it. Right. The process is not linear. There's ups and downs. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to have doubts, but you have to trust the process. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your body. Mm-hmm. And you have to tr- trust your physio. Right. There's no magical quick fix. Passive products are not the solution. They can, they can mm-hmm. aid in the solution, but they're right. not all, be all end all. Mm-hmm. Be wary of anyone who promises an instant result or cure all for everything and everyone. And you need to be empowered as a patient to control your own journey. And mm-hmm. you have to feel that your physio or your team is with you every step of the way. And structural changes on imaging often don't always explain pain completely, right? And that's where that multidisciplinary care approach is often superior to a singular care approach, right? And pain not be the pain may not be the first thing to change, but rehab isn't just about improving pain; it's about improving quality of life and well being. So find professionals with scientifically backed resumes. It's all about the small victories. Treasure them. Don't underestimate them or belittle them they're stepping stones that are leading to the leading your path to your final destination, if you will, mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions, never be afraid to ask questions, ask for the clarity, write stuff down, set goals, prioritize what is important to you. And find that physio who listens, who pushes you, who challenges you physically and has, has your goals in mind. Okay, mm-hmm. it is a process, it's a process for you and your team. Um, but don't you need to trust in in that process and trust in the person leading the process. So, right. I feel incredibly lucky as a physio to work with all of the physios that I work with at Alpha Health Services. They are all incredible practitioners that I learn from every single day and have you know driven driven my development um, as a practitioner. And you know what? I think I speak on all of us um, on behalf of everyone at Alpha Health Services that we feel incredibly lucky to be in this field and to work with with patients who, um, you know, are looking to recover because we're all going to have setbacks in life. We're all going to have physical Mm -hmm. issues or functional issues. Finding that physio who can listen and who knows you to get you back, I think is something that's incredibly special. And um, I feel very lucky to to work with some of the best in the field.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you. This was definitely the conversation I needed to have today because earlier I was feeling kind of kind of a little hopeless on my concussion recovery but you've literally just given me so many tools that I can use to having a more positive mindset and not settling for my health so thank you so so much for taking the time to come on to setback stories today I am so appreciative of it of you and all you have done for your own patients and your team at alpha health services thank you so much charlotte
0: Thanks for having me, Chelsea. It's such a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we can chat. We'll chat again about concussion stuff at another time. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. For sure. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Chelsea.
1: Wow. What an episode with Dr. Charlotte Anderson. There was so much wisdom and authenticity in the advice that Charlotte shared that is still resonating with me weeks after our conversation. Here's what I've taken away with me and plan on using to stay motivated throughout my own rehab journeys. Number 1. In any kind of clinician-patient relationship, it takes two to tango. Attaining your health goals is a collaborative process between you as a patient and your clinician, which can be your physiotherapist, psychotherapist, or even dentist. The work that you do at home as instructed by your clinician is equally as important, if not more, as a treatment done in the clinic. Number 2. While it is important to find a clinician who is equipped with the hard skills of their profession, it is equally as crucial to find a clinician who's real with you. You deserve someone who you can trust, someone who will listen, and someone who is determined to help you even if that means thinking outside of the box. Number three, while rehab is an active process, rehab shouldn't consume your entire life. Talk to your clinician about strategies to integrate rehab into your schedule that's compatible with your lifestyle. Number four, be curious. You deserve to know why your clinician has chosen a specific exercise or therapeutic approach. This ongoing education will motivate you and help you understand how doing steps A, B, and C will lead you to your ultimate goal of Z. Number five, before embarking on any health journey, dig deep and find out what your why is. Share it with your clinician, a friend, or write it in your journal. Remembering your purpose can motivate you when you lose sight of why you started caring about making changes in the first place. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Setback Stories. We're always looking for new topics and guests to bring on the show and we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to DM us on Instagram at setbackstories or email us at setbackstories at gmail.com. Finally, we're seeking ways to grow and improve our podcasting game, If you can, please leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so that you will never miss a bi-weekly episode from yours truly. I'd also like to give credits to my team, co-producer and co-writer, Madison Wong, and technical producer and editor, Kendra Tam. There's so much work that happens behind the scenes, and I can't thank you two enough. Till next time! Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm still processing things. Um...